1: welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton rock podcast as usual with me russell guyver and my co-host peter marsh hello Peter.
2: hey russ how you doing uh
1: not too bad been better at least we've stopped that losing run haven't we just <laughs> a goal of straw with norwich lovely joyful um Feels like deja vu. <laughs> our guest that we've got with us today um cunningly avoided it actually due to a Little C word, um, the Covid thing. Um, I'm, I'm you glad you that. <laughs> <laughs> It is, as you probably recognize from his voice, uh, it's the man who is the football finance guru, really. Hopefully the Swiss ramble's not listening because I know you'd be upset with that. It's Mr. Kieran mcguire Hello, Kieran.
3: Hi, Russ. Hi, Pete. How are we doing?
1: All good. All the better for seeing you. Yes. And and it comes at the time when we've just had the latest set of Albion accounts. Uh, We'll talk about that in a moment. But first of all, before I do, um, I invited you on when I bumped into you at uh, the Price of Football event. You did your first live event, didn't you, with Kevin um, down at AFC Wimbledon's grounds, uh, Plough Lane, back in Plough Lane, which is great to see. Um, And on on the whole, I thought it was a great event. How how did you guys find it?
3: Uh, Yeah, I, I, I had no idea what to expect. Um, it was a sort of bit of an out of body experience you know kevin's a professional performer uh, whereas i'm a teacher but yeah i i i loved it um it was it was great to meet so many people that listened to the show uh we sold i think we sold all but three tickets we sold you know practically 250 tickets and we've had about five or six other clubs uh, getting contact with us uh plymouth uh rochdale lincoln peterborough accrington tranmere all, all wanting us to do shows up there. So I think, think there's an appetite for, uh, yeah, without, you know, I, I'm, we're not there to teach people to be accountants or to like accountants, you know, that's impossible, but to sort of get an understanding as to what's happening, uh, broadly. Um you know he, he, and Pete's Pete's Cat looks equally impressed who's currently <laughs> up on the Zoom Zoom screen. Yes, it was it was it was great fun. It was uh yeah, it, it was it was quite quite humbling as well. Sort of mm-hmm. the People seemed really enthused to, to to give up a Thursday night to come and listen to me whitter on about amortization and
1: spreadsheets. <laughs> and you mentioned um Pete's cat there. Of course, you famously have a dog who's become well, he's become famous, Finley, due to the podcast. And he was there along with the Baroness, which for anyone that doesn't listen to podcast is kieran's wife (laughs) and um yeah the whole whole family effectively weren't they (laughs) yes yeah yeah
3: well well, yeah it's it's just so nice to get out i mean the downside is we we both think that we caught covid there myself and kevin um but uh we've, we've been through that now um and the the worst thing was um yesterday which was sunday we we had been invited uh, for reasons we don't quite know why, to, to the Royal Box at Wembley to watch the uh, to, to, to watch the Papa John's final. So we were desperate to go. And yes, Sutton United's pretty close to Kevin, and they've had a fantastic uh, you know, recent period. Uh, and, and it was a great match. But uh, if it had been left to our own devices, we would have gone. But both of us who have wives who are far more responsible than we are and and, uh the baroness said that you're that's a very thick double double line that you've got there so uh you're not going
1: Uh, and and i do what i'm told yes fair enough i mean i've got the suspicion that i might be just um gaining said virus as well i'm not sure yet i'm negative so far but um uh, I mean, Arsenal I'm supposed to be going to at the weekend, and I think I'll be in the same boat as you, Kieran, I don't think I'll be allowed out if, uh, if it proves <laughs> yes. to be the case. I <laughs> <laughs> hope, um, hope, hope it's not the
3: case for you. Yeah,
1: yeah, fingers crossed, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant event. I mean, I do think Finley did steal the show, I'm, I'm sorry to say. I mean, he, he really is the star, isn't he? <laughs> yes, yes. Wonky yes. chomps and all.
3: <laughs> Upstaged up by, as as Kevin says, you know, don't work with children and animals, and uh, we, we had... Uh, we're a four-legged uh, scenes dealer, and he's he's a very photogenic dog as well, rightly or wrongly. So,
2: yeah, as you've seen, I have that problem every day, pretty much, in uh, in work and everything. And it's not just him as well. There's two of them, basically, like, alternating between them. Oh, really? Wow, cool. <laughs>
1: So we'll, we'll talk about the Albion a bit later on in general and um, any other football matters you want to discuss. But we have just had the accounts published, haven't we, in the last few days? And I, I know you've been chatting to Johnny Cantor from uh, Albion Unlimited as well on this matter. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's large losses. Um, like it's part of the course, isn't it? For any football club, pretty much barring a rare few. Um, what it, does seem to not account for is any of the Ben White money which um makes the the standout figure which is the 53.4 million pounds uh lost the um I guess the the key figure there uh do you want to talk about that first of all and, and what else stood out for you amongst the accounts was there was there any hidden clues or bits of information that perhaps would have been overlooked by the average Joe which of course you are not and you might have might have spotted
3: um, well, you're, you're absolutely right, Russ. It was a, it was a £53 million loss. Um, we've been in the Premier League for four years now. We've lost substantial sums of money in three of them. So the, uh, the, the constant references, if you go back to, to when we were, in the championship, in those first years of the Amex, and it was you know, Tuesday nights at uh, Middlesbrough and Barnsley and so on, and you kept yourself going with with tales of the of the promised land and how the, the Albion's finances, which which were took an absolute hammering, uh, you know Tony Bloom w- was, was incredible. Then um, it, it doesn't get any better. In fact, it gets worse. You know the the, the biggest losses, uh, the, the two biggest years of losses the Albion have ever had have been 2020 and 2021 you know, clearly there, there, there was a COVID impact but even without COVID the club still would have lost money um in terms of sort of some of the the figures which which are um perhaps surprising or perhaps not surprising to people um you know, I've already mentioned Tony Bloom once his his total investment in the club is now up to 427 million pounds and it, it's you, you, you can you can write that number out, and yes, it's a big number. But I've I've got no idea what four hundred and twenty seven million pounds would look like. Uh, you know, it's uh, he's he's been an incredible benefactor to you the club. A big suitcase, wouldn't you for <laughs> it? I, I think, yeah, an even bigger suitcase than than the prime minister uses to get his his, uh, his <laughs> bottles of booze into Number Ten. So yeah, we're, we're talking quite a significant size
1: there. Um so even more than Uncle Terry who you uh, well, yeah, yeah, on um, the poll.
3: Well my my Uncle Terry, yeah, that, that, that his his suitcases sometimes contained body parts, which which I is is, is a complete, complete diversion. Rather not go down that story. You're never sure when the old Bill are listening or not. Uh as Uncle Terry used to tell to me. They do track up um,
2: quite regularly, actually. <laughs>
3: um so t- Tony's investment uh is is huge. Uh, he he did put more money into the club, an extra thirty-three million pounds. The club also borrowed from a bank. Um, I think it's sort of the first time that it's gone down that particular route um, for for a, a while. Um, and my understanding is that uh, I think Tony wanted to invest in some projects, and, and the bank borrowing was cheap at the time, so so he made a he made a you know a, a call on that. Um, even though it was uh, a year played behind closed doors, I think uh, people might be surprised that the wage bill went up, or perhaps not. You know, we're, we're fully aware that uh, you know footballers uh, are are remunerated, um, and it's a talent-based industry. And, and if people recall at the start of the season, um, uh, this, this this young lad called Ben White, who, who everybody thought was rubbish, who, who was converted into a great footballer by by Bielsa. Uh, at, uh, at Ellen Road, um he did sign a brand new contract with the Albion, so he would have been you know on on Premier League wages, so that would have contributed to the wage rise. Some of the other players you know, we, we'd signed had, had come in um, and, and they would have been on premier League wages as well so So the wage bill has gone up um, we are We are now paying uh hundred and thirty five percent i don 't know i don 't know what your pay guys has gone up over the course of the last decade. Uh, but the Albion's pay has gone up 1,353%. Now, it, it's, 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 it's more than us teachers get. Um, and if you have got pay rises of that magnitude, well, good luck to you. I've, I've never got any objection to these things. Um, so, so, yeah, the, the, the wages uh, went up. The overheads came down a wee bit, but there were some quite significant COVID-related uh, overheads uh, in the sense that when the club goes to an away game, it uh you know it was it was often using two or three coaches instead of one because you wanted social distancing. If the players were staying in a hotel, um then you know instead of having twin rooms, you'd everybody have a single room, everything was geared towards trying to to prevent the uh the spread of COVID and people catching it in the first place. So there were significant COVID costs incurred. Um the the T V money went up by 33 million quid, when people might say, well, well I want that, you know, why? Um, and that's, that was simply due to, I mean, you know, every, everything's become a bit of a blur over the past couple of years. But remember when COVID first struck, uh, football closed down in March 20, uh, 2020. And, and by the time we got to the 30th of June 2020, the Albion had actually only played 32 games. Um, then if we go for the year to the 30th of June, 2021, we played six games to finish the end of the previous season and a full season for 2020, 2021. So therefore there was far more television on, so far more football on television. And that was the big driver of the increase in TV money. So TV money might fall uh, in 2022. A lot will depend on where the Albion finally finish in the table. Uh, and in order to go up the table, they need to. They need to score goals.
1: <laughs> yes, and um, we're not quite doing that, are we, at the moment? It's not not as much as we've like to. Um, uh, Kieran, I'm assuming that would that would therefore have a, be the explanation as to why the turnover for the period has gone up, according to this, by thirteen point four percent. to one hundred and fifty one point six mil. Is that that's basically around that TV money, largely, I'd imagine, isn't
3: it? No, that's correct. Because remember, we 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 had effectively zero uh, money from. Ticket sales. Yeah, there was those. Was yeah. it two matches before Christmas? Mm-hmm. I, I remember attending one of them when only four thousand people were allowed to attend, and then there was the the fantastic match against Manchester City uh, when I was one of the lucky was it eight thousand, ten thousand who attended, uh, yeah. which which uh, still still makes me glow with warmth how we how we came back uh, from two 0 down against the the premier league champions to 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 win um so uh yeah there was very little money coming in through ticket sales uh, commercial income held up pretty well it was only down by one and a half million pounds. Uh, you know, that would have been things such as merchandise sales. Clearly, the Albion wasn't in a position to do hospitality work and and conferencing work, which some of the rooms in the club are are used for on non-match days and so on. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was yeah you know, losing fifty odd million quid, you know, losing a million pounds a week it can't be fun for
2: anybody. But I,
3: I don't think the results were dreadful.
2: Do you, do you know what the actual what they expect to make from a match day where fans were allowed, obviously, with um, when they paid all the overheads and that sort of thing? What's the sort of what sort of loss was that not be able to show, have any games with fans that except for a couple where they may have lost money anyway? I think, but based on stewarding cost and all that, didn't they?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we the Albion normally gross a million pounds a match for a, for a home fixture. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, we, that's we, a big we were chunk
2: down. of the money that the fifty odd million comes from that basically and kind of a. Not, I mean, it was still a lost money, but that's quite a big chunk
3: then. Of the yeah, yeah, I, I think I think had, had we been in a non-COVID environment, um, we that the, the Albion would have been the thick end of 20 million pounds worth of uh matchday sales, but I suspect the broadcast income would have been down in a, in a normal season with 38 games, so th- there's a bit, yeah. there's a bit of uh yin and yang when when it comes to the this overall total. Um, it, I, I don't anticipate it going up by. Um, You know, the 18 million pounds or 19 million pounds that we'd normally expect to get from from home fixtures when we do the 2022 accounts, because uh, unless uh, unless things are turned round uh, the way that the way that broadcast money is is paid out is that um, if you if you are if you are more than 10 times on live TV, you get an extra million pounds per pop and 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 this is this this makes sense because you know we we know we know who generates eyeballs and interests in football, and uh you know the likes of manchester United and liverpool and chelsea and the and the other big clubs um they tend to be on more often because they generate higher viewing figures, so they get an extra million pounds um so uh for every match more than ten so if you're on fifteen times you get an extra five million pounds oh. um the Albion normally have been sort of you know twelve or thirteen uh yeah, they're, they're not, they're, there's sides who are less popular than the Albion, uh, mentioning their names, <coughs> Burnley. Um, but, um, yeah, we, we, we know, we know where we are in terms of bit our attractiveness. Um, and the, the other issue which drives TV money is the final position in the table, which, which from now on is probably worth around about two and a half million pounds per place. So you finish bottom, you get two and a half million. You finish second bottom, you get five million. So, you know, whilst it's been, disappointing to drop from yeah we were ninth for quite a while to drop from ninth to 13th or 14th yeah that's actually potentially going to cost the albion in the region of 10 million pounds
1: yeah the, the the whole rich get richer poor get poorer aspect comes into this doesn't it in, in relation to what you said about the million per game over the 10 uh, with united who, who get i think you've mentioned one of the price of football price of football podcasts um Something like three million pound just match day revenue alone for United. I think you said. Um, so they've already got the benefits. Obviously, a larger crowd uh, income on match days. They get the extra benefit of the TV, and so do the other big clubs, obviously as well. So it does make that that chasm greater all the time, doesn't it? And I, I think the other the other thing, interesting thing you mentioned about losing point, uh, losing money for each position we're in the table, and that is frustrating. I think also the potential attractiveness to other. Uh, po- possible signings in the future based on our position also it's frustrating from that point of view but on the financial side I think losing those extra uh, mills um, which seems likely the way it's gone is particularly frustrating because we were well above our expected achievements weren't we we I think we've got the sixth lowest budget is it in the division mm. and we were obviously all season we've been above that even now slightly above it um, so it's a shame if we can't achieve that um, over expectation level um but i guess I also it devalued just
2: devalued potentially dan burn's money as
1: well because yeah yeah if we've lost positions because of that then yeah. how much how much of a good deal is that actually
3: yeah Dro- drop dropping from eighth to 13th is, is the equivalent of losing the whole of the dan burn fee
2: yeah which would be a disaster. suddenly so suddenly a deal that looked really good at the time at least on paper in terms of you know the money for a player of his age and I mean, the fact that he was generally probably a backup at that time suddenly becomes, given our injury problems and issues since then, yeah, a, a money loss actually, if anything.
1: The, the sixth lowest budget um, factor, which I think I was right, isn't it, is that where we're at at the moment? As far as broadly, know?
3: yeah, we, we're yeah. still awaiting. Um, yeah. There's some other clubs in the Premier League from last season who've not published details, so we're still awaiting uh, Burnley and West Brom and. Uh, a small club called Crystal Palace. Um, <laughs> they 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 tend to be always very late. Newcastle haven't done anything as well. So I, th- I think you know things will become clearer. But of the football clubs who have published data to date, I think we are actually the one with the smallest wage budget, yeah. um, which is uh, you know is is it's, yeah. it's frustrating. Well, no, it's not frustrating. I, th- I think it's I- indicative of you know we are where broadly we should expect to be because if. If you, if you look at the data over a period of time, the one thing which comes up again and again is the more wages you pay, the higher up the Premier League you finish. And I, and I don't think that's, that's necessarily, um, rocket science, but looking at, at yeah, we, yeah, we are the lowest with the exception of Sheffield Wednesday and Sheffield Wednesday were not only relegated, they were relegated by, by a fair amount of, uh, yeah, a fair amount of points as well, despite taking four points off us, of course, last season. This um,
1: uh, so, is Sheffield United, of course. No, Sheffield United, <laughs> Sheffield United, good grief. Yeah, oh, so, sorry. sorry,
2: sorry Wednesday nights. <laughs> um, that's so what I'd yeah. appreciate to be, people <laughs> they got relegated to one, given their current league yes. one. <laughs> um, so the Albion were
3: 109 million. Um, Fulham, again, Fulham were relegated, 114. Southampton, 114. uh Villa and Wolves were close to 140. So, yeah, there's, if, if you, if you work that out, you know, it, it, it means that there's plenty of clubs who are paying substantially more than we are on, on a regular basis for wages ba- based on my little calculator, which, which is rough and ready. So, you know, if, if anybody's listening from the club saying, got it wrong. Yeah, I've got it wrong. I've got it wrong in good faith. I've got it wrong for every club. Um, I, I you know, I, I estimate the, the Albion are paying just over 50 grand a week or around about 50 grand a week in wages. And, it, and if people think that's a lot, uh, you know, the average in the Premier Leagues around about 72. So, you know, we are where we are.
2: Yeah. It's because that's it's crazy, though. It's like that we're the, one of the lowest and we're paying over 100 million a year in wages and we're one yeah. of the lowest in the Premier League. You know, you, it shows you where the TV money goes, doesn't it, really? If anyone mentioned that and where the TV you know, is being spent, well, that's it.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I I think it's uh, it reinforces uh, Sir Alan Sugar's uh, legendary comment of, about prune juice and football. That the more you put in at the top, the more it goes straight through the system and comes out of the other end in the form of uh, <laughs> players' wages and, and agents' fees and so on. And yeah, I've 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 always argued that, I, that there's nothing wrong with that because I I, I go along to watch the talent. Yeah, I go along to watch the players and if we, if we want to be a competitive club, I, I personally would, would rather the money end up in the pockets of the players than in the pockets of, uh, hedge funds and sovereign wealth funds and, and oligarchs. Uh, if, if the clubs are making huge amounts of profits and and that 's what the you know, super league and project big picture was designed to do was was to concentrate money was to stop was to stop the prune juice effect and to to redistribute money not into the hands of the fans you know, let, let's let 's not be naive here you know, I can assure you the glazers and john henry and and their cohorts have got no interest in our welfare, but it would have simply meant a, a switch of money from uh from playing talent to uh to owners.
1: So where, where we're at now, and obviously um, taking into account the fact we've been through extraordinary times with the COVID situation affecting figures, are you relatively happy with where we're at in terms of what's been published and how you see things going forward in the next year or two? Because obviously we've got the Ben White money that will be amortised over the next two to three years, little, or the length of the contract. No, no, no. the. The way that the way that you know, this is why football is
3: is is nuts in, in terms of the financing or the, the way that the financing is represented. When you buy a player, you spread the cost over the, 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 the length of the, the, the contract. So therefore, if we sign uh, Adam Webster, signed him was he on a five-year deal? Um, so that so you say 20 divided by five. That's costing the Albion four million pounds a year in amortisation. But when you sell a player, all of the profit appears now. It's because Ben White was sold after the 30th of June. 2021 all of that profit will um go into uh this year's profit and loss account in relation to uh to to big dan burn um he's you know he only had a year left on his contract i think he only cost five mil so there'll be a fair amount of profit although i believe Wigan pick up a, a yeah. slice of that in in terms of their their salon fee which which is which is fine you know it, it's it's still uh i think that's a deal where where everybody wins you know the player the player gets to an opportunity to play for his home team. Uh, the Albion will record a tidy profit. Uh, you know, Newcastle have got somebody who'll shore up their defence. Although you know it, it's things things are starting to soften again for Newcastle. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know w- Wigan, who have been through some tough times themselves, they'll they'll get uh, they'll get seven-figure payout as well. I suspect.
2: Yeah, that seems a very weird way of doing it. What's the, the logic of that? Surely you do it the same way for buying buying and selling. Don't. Um, that-
3: it no i i think the view is that when when you are buying a player if you're if you're buying a player on a 5 year contract and you pay 20 million pounds you're effectively renting the player from the, from the previous owner or the previous club that which, which he played and when you're selling it's a bit like selling a car you know if you, if if you buy a car on hp or buy a car via a, a lease you're you're getting a 20,000 pound car but you might be paying 4,000 pounds a year in your lease fees When you get rid of the car and sell it, you take all of the profit and go straight into your bank account.
1: And I mean, the model we've got um, attracting younger talent, maybe slightly off the radar, developing, selling within moderation in terms of numbers. Um, That seems to be a model that's worked for other clubs such as Southampton in the past, um, seems to be working for us because I think. Looking at things very broadly, it looks as if we might get somewhere closer to breaking even with the uh, Ben White money
2: plus other, you know, sales and p- purchases. I think balance out well. Um, yeah, it so but- has to be said that we Weppu won't be in that exposure of either or Kukurea or Sherpa and all the all of our and there was a couple mm. of young players signing. us. I I think I think it pretty much the white money was used up pretty much on those players. I like would have thought in the end.
1: So it's a, so it's looking healthy in general, you'd say. And we, I mean, you like the model, presumably, um, in terms of it working. Looking into the future, Kim. Um,
3: yeah, I, I think the club does have a model. Um, it, it does have a strategy, which which is uh, not always the case at other clubs, who who tend to sort of uh, do things on the hoof. Um, the, the aim is to spot talent young. Um, you know, we, we've got uh, and, and then either bring them into the the first team umbrella or put them out on loan so um i've i've been dealing on a regular basis with with uh, a journalist based in based in blackburn who who goes along every week um and you have to is it van heck
1: yeah van hecker i think yeah
3: yeah Yeah. yeah. well um ex, do, he could be he could very much be in the first team squad next year and that's, that's the next, that's the next Virgil van Dyke, yeah, yeah. According to now yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's I, I don't want to uh, over, uh, over eulogize, but uh, the reports I've had, um, and, and this is from a guy who's actually very level-headed. He says he's never seen a defender with that much time. Um, wow. So, so, uh, and, and that that's good for the Albion. That's good for the players development. And uh, you know, if, and the way that it works is, if it comes along, if it is one good season for us, great. If it gets two good seasons, great. And if he's as good as everybody says he are, then, then we're selling, selling on. So I think this is this is indicative of the strategy of the club. Um, I think we, we have made some decent signings of young players. And one of the things I did notice when I was doing an analysis of transfers, I'm not I'm not I'm not really involved in on that side of things, but I was looking at player ages. Um, and I think sort of last year uh, there was only one player who was sold for more than 20 million pounds who was more than 26 years of age so what what all clubs are now doing is that they're trying to get the players young and if the albion are recruiting players sort of in that that 19 to 22 year old age group um playing for a couple of years if the player goes on then yeah you know, we can sell him at the age of 24 25 for a decent fee um, and that to me appears to be um, the the strategy which is being used, and I think that strategy has got a hell of a lot of merit. So, we, we will move away from if if you take a look at what happened with the Albion in, in the first um, few years of uh, our, our existence in the in the Premier League. First year net spend fifty four million, second year seventy million, third year fifty four last season, or rather 2021, it dropped to 14. Um yes, you know, the, the sales that we, we sold we got more money from from player sales from in from twenty twenty one than we had done from the four, six, four previous seasons put together. And you know, and who are we talking about here? Yeah, you know, were we talking about Anthony Notkart? yeah, I think, I think it was one or two others sort of players who perhaps who we never really hit the radar as far as the Albion were concerned, but we were getting, uh, we, we're starting to generate fees for them. And clearly now we've got the Ben White fee and the uh, the Dan Byrne fee will be the main ones, which will go into the 2022 accounts with a view to, I suspect having, you know, perhaps having one big sale each each sort of financial year.
2: Um, yeah, otherwise I, you're, you're putting yourself a bit of risk, aren't you, With you, I mean, maybe a little bit of force this time after the contract situation of a few of them. Trossard, Besumar, obviously, but Trossard and Mope and McAllister. If they don't sign new deals this summer, you wonder whether the club will try and cash in while they can, rather than wait till they're out of contract and lose them on a free. Yeah, yeah, that
3: that that is a consideration. I think I think some of those players might have uh, the club might have options. I'm, oh, good, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact details. You know, clearly that's that's, that's a private matter between the club and the, and the employee. But um, some of those players, you would hope the club would trigger the option. I, I don't think that there's one on. Uh, with regards to Ives Bissouma. Um, no, I'm
2: sure we'd have heard by now, because he's been yeah. about, talked about so much. It's interesting mm. about 26, because I always thought there was a suggestion was that 27, 28, 29 was a prime. So it's interesting that clubs aren't really paying that much money for players, even at 26 when you just thought he's coming into his prime. And that sort Well, of I, I, think, I
3: think the, the logic behind most, most clubs' strategy now is that you, you buy them before they come into the prime. You, you, mm. you, you, uh, if you are paying a hundred million pounds for a player such as Jack Grealish, then you're going to sign him on a six year contract. If, if he's joining at the age of 28 or 29, yeah. you know, do you want a 35 year old Jack Grealish still on 300 grand a week? Probably not. So, so therefore, get them twenty-five, twenty-six, um, and sign a six-year contract. You know, a, a player. You know, players are so professional these days in, in terms of diet and lifestyle in the main um, that uh, you know players of thirty-one, thirty-two are, are still you know, still in their prime.
1: One of the recent bits of news, which is interesting, is uh, about the five subs thing that came in temporarily during the COVID period. Um, and that's been voted on, and it seems to be going ahead now for next season. Um, and Graham Potter, we know... Contrary to most clubs of our size, um, he, as manager of our club, is in favour of it. And I mean, we're talking about developmental talent. Sarmiento, albeit by default because of an injury, came on late in the game on Saturday. Um, he has been getting some game time as a, a very young but very exciting prospect. Um, he's another one, obviously, to watch. Um, there's going to be more opportunities for those players, isn't there, if, um, if you've got the five-sub rule? I think it suits a club. Who's got our our policy and our, our our developmental plan? Because we've got bigger squads, a lot of them on loan, obviously, but some of them not quite getting the opportunities that they would like within the squad, season by season. And um, this would give them a better chance, wouldn't it?
3: Yeah, I think if we compare the Albion to where we were in the very first season in the Premier League, mm. we now have a pretty damn good twenty, you know, 2022 20, 20, 20, players. Who I, I look at that bench sometimes, like. My God, yeah, that is pretty tasty uh you yeah, yeah, yeah with lalana bisuma um duffy uh, you know, and and Moda all on the bench um on on saturday so 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 um and also uh i can I can fully understand why why the club and Graham Potter are in favor of the change because I think we are a a club that has a training uh, psyche and culture which encourages changes in formation changes in style um during the match and and it's a very very fluid style whereas i'm aware of some other clubs that were opposed to the five substitutes um are yeah we are four two. we always play four four two. you know we, we don't we don't need five substitutes whereas you know with the albion you know graham potter bingo before the sides announced is, is always quite an exciting thing um and uh yeah, uh, you know, and and trying to work out the formation: are we paying, you know, one up, two up front with one behind, or one up front with two behind? It it, it is very fluid, and and having more players available to uh, to contribute to that, I, I think is 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 actually in our interests. Um, I think there will be there are be there'll be some minor issues in in terms of remuneration because players do get additional money, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if they get on the pitch. Um, I'm sure you're aware of. A fairly well-known manager who uh, you know, was was quite famous with regard to to players. He'd always insist that he was involved in the players' contracts. And this isn't anything to do with the Albion, by the way. Um, so therefore, he knew that uh, if, if a player got a five hundred pounds appearance bonus, what what this particular manager would do would. Uh, if, if the player you know, if it got to the 90th minute, 91st minute, and you're two up or two down, and the match was over, he'd approach the player and says, "Right, you're on a 500 pound bonus. Uh, if I bring you on, you get 300. I want 200 in cash." And that's that's how football works. So you know, there were some baffling substitutions from some people. You know, clearly we won't name names to, to protect nice. the
1: kids. I think I've got an idea who you might mean though, actually. You know, you've given an example. Mm, yeah, mm. we better not say, though. No, 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 no. Has he got a dog as well? What a chance. Uh, well, well, I've got a dog. Yeah I, could no, be, I've, yeah, I mean, has he got a dog with a, with a tax account at all? Is it that... Is that in all no, no, it's
3: on? not. No, no, oh, no. It's it's not, 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 oh, okay. No, 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 no. not that one, actually.
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, was, I mean, My mind went there as well. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Kieran, finally, on the account side, um, any final, final bits you you drew from there which were of particular interest um. um well only in the sense that
3: i think this this might surprise people is that the the total cost of the squad actually fell by the time we got to the end of 2021 compared to 2020 um the squad had originally cost um 202 million pounds in 2020 it had fallen to 184 by 21 um and but then, you know, you think about the nature of the players who who were moving on. You know, Lecadia, um Jachim uh, uh Davy Proper left, Matt Ryan left. Now, I, I can't quite remember whether they left before or after the 30th of June. So it actually meant that the um, the Albion squad was, was valued lower than, than one or two clubs in the championship which which is indicative of sort of the level of spending, but also the impact. Um, and, and also, uh, you know, when you, when you look at squad investments, we, we've now got potentially two or three clubs at the upper end of the Premier League who have got squads who have cost over a billion pounds and the Albion's at 184. So, you yeah, know, when, when we talk about a two-tier or three-tier Premier League, yeah, that that evidence is that. Um, quite notably
2: yeah. Um, it's interesting because I'm assuming for example obviously under that system and it is a, you have to be a little bit careful because Palace always use that as an example of how their squad was quite cheap but then we're paying four players over 100 grand a week or whatever we get, they got on cheap deals I was going to say because of course we signed Alana and Welbeck really maybe as part of that Yeah. Mm. year so in that sense people you know if they replace players think that side will go down but then the wages will seemingly go up quite a bit from that point of view Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah yeah you're absolutely right and, and you have got to look at yeah, the whole package um if uh, everybody knows that if you are um if you're able to recruit a player um on the expiry of his contract then the club has saved itself a, a fee and therefore on the back of that um yeah the, the club uh, the, the the club will be expected by the player and all agent to uh to give some of that money back in the form of wages
2: yeah. And also the likes of White coming in as well, who obviously was a, uh, you know, we we picked up yeah. 16 on a free. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we've mentioned... Um... Sormiente coming on, of
1: course. Then one bit of news from the Albion. Unfortunately, Jakub Moda's injury is as bad as it looked. Um, it's an ACL nine to twelve months is looking like. And unfortunately, no sooner have Poland qualified for the World Cup than it now looks as if he's gonna possibly miss out on that, as long with of course the Albion for the first half of the season. We really wish him the best of luck with his recovery. I can imagine how difficult it is to hear players always talking about that psychological and physical battle to come back. So obviously that's sad news, but just very quickly to round off, Kieran, before you go, um, your thoughts on the season so far? Um, obviously, it's taken a bit of a downer in the last few weeks. What's your overall view of us this year compared with last?
3: Um, I, I don't think the football's been any better. I think the re- l- last year, performances exceeded results. And I think at the start of this season, results exceeded performances. And I think we got a little bit giddy in in the sense that, there were a large number of one-one draws, which felt like victories. Yeah, uh, you, know, you think about West Ham, Southampton, Liverpool, um, and, and so on. Where and and but you know, and both palace, both Palace games, um, you know, on all of those, we, we went behind and we, we kept battling away, and you picked up a point, and that feeling of exhilaration because if you, if you if you just contrast that with uh yeah if, if we if we take ourselves back to the nil nil draw at home to Leeds well we got exactly the same number of points drawing with Leeds at home as we did from drawing at Palace away but in terms of the the, the mental feeling as as you left left both stadiums um completely contrasting with one with one another so um i think results perhaps flattered us a little bit uh, and they're caught up with us. And, and we're broadly where we should be. Um, we we don't look like we're going to score many goals. Um, the, uh, I think we've had seven victories this season. And I think somebody said that in six of them, uh, Adam Lalana and Adam Webster started. So, you know, th- those two players, a- a- Adam Webster's a much bigger loss than, than perhaps we realise. Um, a- Adam Lalana I think everybody knows that when he joined the club that, you're not going to get 38 league games a season out of him. Um And, and you know, he, he's, he's, he's got to be nurtured and, uh, you know, on, on his days, he's absolutely fantastic. Um So, yeah, I, I think fr- frustrated rather than disappointed. I, I know some people were perhaps, uh, you know, they're getting out their atlases and looking, uh, looking at, uh, uh, you know, Airbnb in Albania on a Thursday night, how much it was going to cost. Uh, and, and perhaps we were overreaching
2: ourselves there. Um yeah, we, we we we've got a we've got a bottom six budget. So we always had a tough run in as well. I mean, even we obviously got tougher in anyway, but we were mm. played Tottenham or Man U at that point. I and mean, we played three or four teams. I know we played Chelsea twice, but we played three or four lower teams twice. Mm. So always gonna be a fair chance. I think what we didn't quite expect was the Burnley Villa Newcastle results to get to lose all three of those. That's probably where people have yeah. obviously yeah. Liverpool, Tottenham home and United away. Probably most people most people would expect to lose those three. Certainly, the first you know, like Liverpool and Man U games. Yeah,
3: yeah, I I agree. I mean, I, I was I was at Old Trafford. We we were the better side for an hour, no doubt about it. And it was that uh, it, it was sloppiness and finishing that again was really frustrating. Yeah, and
2: as we hit the woodwork, didn't we? And kind of and yeah, made a couple of very good saves.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Basuma uh, was through one on one in the first half and, and put it wide and no 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 players set out to to miss the target but i th- i think we have the second lowest uh, shots on target percentage in the in the premier league um on, only uh, norwich or worse and that was very evident on uh, on saturday uh, uh you know it, it it's one it, if uh, if, if Tim Crawl had played an absolute blinder, and I, and I felt we had a good game, I, you know, I, I, I have seen I've seen it live on Sky the full ninety minutes on Sunday. That's that's how tragic my life is at present with like, when, when you're in when, when you're having to self isolate it. Um, but w- we we need to work the goalkeepers more because if you work them, then they're going to make mistakes now and then, and, and then you, you you deal with that. His uh,
2: save from Veltman was brilliant. I thought he kind of the reaction to push that away, and then from McAllister but other than yeah. that we didn't we had 31 shots and well, four of them were even on target yeah. <laughs> most of them were in to, to row Z frankly
1: exactly we, we do need to test the goalkeeper more you're right and you get rebounds as well as yeah. mistakes yeah. Could, could just be forced into a rebound and, and you might score from those very quickly then final couple of questions um in the absence of Webster for much of this season, obviously, he, he, for me, he would, have been man of, uh, he would have been player of the season, I think, probably. Um, but in his absence, um, I'd go for Kukureya. I wonder your views on that and where you think we're going to finish, if you can give us a guess on that.
3: Yeah, I, I, I think Mark Kukureya has been the, the standout signing uh, and in many respects a standout player. Um, I think big things were expected of Tarek Lampty and he's yep. he's got what i'd say one thing that i have noticed comparing this season to last season is that quite a few players have gone off the boil yeah. so uh yeah, Eve basuma good first half of the season disappointing second half of the season he's now he's now not you know at, mm. before christmas he was the first person that you, 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 his name went on the team sheet. it's no longer the case um yeah, you know leandro trossard some some of some of the stuff that he does is still so sublime, but he's not doing every match, and he's not doing it for ninety minutes every match. Um, and and if he was, he wouldn't be playing for
2: Brighton of Albion. Let's let's be honest. Um, so I think he's. He, I think yeah, if he wasn't to he had COVID, in fairness. But I think since COVID, he's really struggled. Yeah. It's yeah. Like- over the over the uh, the Premier League break because he was my player of the season up to that point.
1: Yeah, and Lampard's looked reticent. I think a little bit cagey yeah. since his injury. I think mm. a different reason, perhaps. But he, he, I think he's looked a little bit cagey. Anyway, well, um, and where do you think we'll finish, Kieran? I, I reckon I'm, I'm going to say I would have predicted 12th, I think, around there. But I'm, I think we're slipping a bit. I'm going to I'm going to go with a positive 14th.
3: <laughs> okay, <laughs> based I'm, on the slide we're in at the moment. Look at looking at our next set of fixtures. I'm going
1: 15th.
2: <laughs> okay yeah excellent peter briefly i was gonna say 16th
1: okay we're, we're counting down here we better stop there haven't we otherwise we'll be in the relegation zone 17th okay yes there, yeah, the cat yeah uh right okay on that note then kieran thank you for joining us uh, it's been a pleasure uh you're off to a 23s game now aren't you
3: yes yeah yeah the albion are uh playing at the amex uh against derby county uh on the Brilliant. 23. so um I'm doing that, and then at uh, half past eleven tonight, I'm on Five Live talking about <laughs> Derby County's administration uh, <laughs> to 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 an audience of approximately zero, I'd imagine at that, <laughs> that, that, that time of night.
2: Quiet <laughs> evening, then. Blimey. Yes,
3: yes. True
2: dedication. The Baroness is but, very. Thanks so much for, for coming to join us as well, the, well. Well,
3: thanks for the invite. It's always a pleasure.
1: Always, a, always, a always, a, always, a, always pleasant to be asked. Lovely, excellent. Thanks, Kieran. Till next time. Cheers. All the best, guys. Thanks again there to kieran McGuire for joining us again um to give us the latest albion accounts analysis um that all sounded quite interesting didn't it peter any anything you sort of drew from that beyond what kieran said i mean it's interesting about the uh, the spread of payments thing isn't it that uh, it's different for selling yeah. to buying didn't know yeah that, that was interesting and i, I thought that,
2: that yeah as i mentioned to kieran i thought the 26th thing about the players and, over twenty six not being bought for more than twenty million, which in Premier League terms, I know it's like our record transfer, but for Premier League terms it's it's peanuts really. So only one over twenty six being bought for twenty million pounds. So it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. interesting that they kind of clubs are moving towards the younger players and stuff like we are and don't want to spend too much on I suppose players that don't have a sell on value afterwards. Yeah. And it
1: is frustrating with things like this. Um, once you've been on more than 10 times, you get a million extra per extra appearance. And obviously that's going to favour the big clubs. Um, but I guess it is a pacifier, or at least an attempt at a pacifier, to avoid um, you know, the European Super League type um, yeah. scenarios. Because I think that's partly why the likes of Real Madrid and Barca want to move away, because they, they're ever greedier for more and more TV money. But they, they already get loads, as it is, um, but I guess yeah. uh, it is what it well, they is. Well, I haven't said that. You
2: look at Barcelona's finances, <laughs> they need more <all> money, really.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they get quite a bit through um, the women's game because they got, do you hear about this? They got 91,500. Yeah. At the new camp, 91,500 for a women's game, which is a world record by about a thousand and a half beating, I think, some World Cup match. I think it was originally. Um, that's something else. That's incredible. I saw some footage that had a feature on football focus with Alex Scott going over that. And really uh, interesting how passionate they were as well. It wasn't, wasn't just a load of people on free tickets or something. You know, these are seriously up for it. So they were playing Real
2: Madrid, weren't they? Which is always uh, a game.
1: Out yes true and this was, a, this was a Champions League called a final second leg we should hasten to add as well um, but nonetheless that's, that's great stuff um, speaking of the women's game unfortunately the Albion lost 1-0 at Man U. they have got back up into 6th place where they finished last season after a good win last week um, 2-0 at West Ham but this week they lost only 1-0 and it was 2-8 goalkeeping error through the legs agonising um, in what Again, it was Man United getting lucky against, us, you could say. Uh, but there we go. But going back to the men's game, um, just a little bit further thoughts on the match. Um, I did a chat match day special with a few people just to get you know immediate post match reaction and thoughts. But just in a more measured view now, of course, we can reflect on it two days later as we as we recall this. Have to be more measured. We have to <laughs> it's probably less sweary. Um, what do you think about it? Because I mean, we started with. You know, Kieran was talking about having strong benches I think the bench was almost stronger than the starting Yeah, I,
2: I thought it was a, a very odd selection and I'm, and I'm still not that convinced by that I yeah. watched the game I yeah. mean, all of Modder, Alzate, Bissouma and Weppu on the bench and to like go, in, I mean, crossing midfield has not worked we've shown it's not really worked it didn't really work again although yeah. he actually delivered from set pieces of the OK to that game I mean, I don't understand. I mean, obviously Modder will be out for probably nine to 12 months now, which personally, obviously is news for everyone, connected with the club and him. But he's not started any of the last three games, which is crazy in my view. He's been one of our best players this calendar year, especially. But also this season overall as well. <coughs> for some reason, Potter's decided not to start him in any of those three games, Liverpool, Tottenham or, or Norwich. And I didn't understand that. it was no logic to it. And then great. And he's been in, 10 minutes, he's been injured or five minutes, he's been injured. So... Yeah, it's it'll be a, a huge blow not just for this season, but for probably yeah. next season. Assuming we do stay up, okay, without even if we don't get one or two more points, um, it's yeah, it's a massive blow for the first half of next season. And if it's twelve months, we won't feature much at all next season. Oh,
1: yeah. 100% agree with all, all you just said there. And I mean, the fact that you came in on the 83rd minute, it's. Fairly pointless by that stage, anyway, isn't it? Um, So it's kind of for the sake of seven to ten minutes or whatever it would have been. um, You know, we've we've lost him anyway. Um,
2: And and to me, it was although it wasn't a bad foul, it was a foul by Puky, in which case he didn't, and it was unnecessary. It wasn't doing anything. It wasn't needed. It was a needless foul, and it made him. Then lose his footing and kind of yeah, kind of obviously lose his studs in the ground. I'm not blaming Pookie, but I mean, footballers do need to. They do often make these needless fouls, and they can end up being out for a long time. And it's like, obviously, not his fault. He obviously didn't mean that sort of thing to happen, but it was a needless foul. A referee missed.
1: Then um, I say. Could you say the more pay on the Arsenal goalie is kind
2: of similar in that respect? I suppose. Yeah, yeah maybe probably. Yeah. Although I. I don't know, it's a different thing, I think, think Morphe was genuinely going for the ball, whereas Pookie wasn't, only, it was just a nudge in the back to try and, you know. It's of... not a
1: dangerous area, was it, I suppose, no. the difference as well, so it's more entitled to go for something because the, the immediate consequences of um, of getting yeah. lucky with a with a touch off of the goalie or whatever would have been greater, maybe. I mean, with the, the starting 11, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, Sanchez, Beltman, Dunk, Kukureya, Lamptey, Grosh, McAllister... March, Trossard, Mopi and Welbeck. So both the strikers, uh, first choice strikers were there.
2: Um, yeah, so question for you. What mm. Duffy's done wrong? Because I know he had a dreadful game against Burnley from the, from what I heard. I just didn't go to that. But generally, we're much better at three at the back with Kukurea and, and Lamptey at wing back. Norwich don't have any pace up front. There's no, you know, Kukurea's not that quick. He's not exactly, you know, he's no. a player in the box, but he's not that quick. Why not play Duffy to give us that more control. I would have played him and I would have played um, probably Moda or Alzate or someone like that and I, and that would have allowed us then to and probably drop Arch and Roche and that would have given us a better balance and yeah, it just... And reward a player who's not dropping doing too badly at the man, moment.
1: Unless, unless there was something to do with the internationals where he was jaded or... But then McHugh also played the inter- for Argentina, you know, yeah. kind of... I was just meaning in terms of whether Duffy had a minor knock or something. I th- or something I we we he don't know was about rested for the last
2: game Ireland played anyway.
1: Oh, okay. Unless that's for the same reason, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, who knows? But it seemed a very curious lineup, I have to say. Wepu came on in the seventy ninth minute, of course, and it looked
2: um, decent. I thought actually the, the time he was on, yeah, he, he did, didn't he? I thought it's he was normal good. mix of one or two really crap passes to give it away in quite sense, in quite a uh, slightly dangerous area, but also put in a couple of really good crosses. That, yeah. you know, if we had a bit more physicality up front, might actually got on the end of. So that bodes, bodes well. I mean, the third sub, obviously, for <clears throat> was Sarmiento, who was the one who, who, who was very exciting. He looked great, didn't he? I mean, it was only a few minutes, but I just
1: wish we'd given him more time. I hope he
2: starts one of the next three away games. Give him a chance to go out of fitness in a game. He probably won't win anyway. Give hmm. him a go and see what happens. Yeah, and I thought Norwich were. I know they're obviously pretty limited anyway. But considering they've got them in a draw made absolutely no good, no good for them. They had no benefit from a draw. It just put another nail in their relegation coffin. What was the point of their tactics? They didn't bother trying to get out there half half the time. They just sat. Mm-hmm. They don't have the pace to catch the break anyway. Because they and when they they tried to, they did it once, and that was the one time they should have probably scored. They did absolutely nothing generally except for like a five minute spell from about seventy. 75 to 80 sort of thing when they had a couple of free kicks Why, what was the purpose of their tactics surely they should have put a bit more ambition to try and get the win which might have given them a little bit of a bit of blossom, whereas they they had no ambition whatsoever toward it they looked like they were happy with a draw which was a pointless result for them
1: you'd probably say they would probably say that um, it was a matter of um, wanting to just sit in and see if they could just pick us off with one goal. But as you said, they didn't seem to have the ambition, even when they had the no. moments to get forward. So, it's like, uh, in the last twenty minutes, they had a real go, but they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, even, I mean, They didn't. Given our lack of goals, you would think they they take the chances with it, wouldn't you? Um, we had somewhere depending on who you read, somewhere between twenty nine and thirty one shots on uh, on goal, not on not on target, but all on goal. Um, I think. Up. Yes, I know. Yeah, I think we had something like um. Was it something like 18 of them were off target? And I think that's some kind of Premier League record. Uh, or and something the rest like blocks that they can kind I of think, are. That included blocks, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where the variation I'd mean, exactly be intrigued to goes. see the heat
2: map of where those off target ones went, because a lot of them ended up quite, quite high yeah. up the of to the stand. McAllister probably yeah. decided the posts that weren't, weren't really close, but weren't too far away. But- yeah.
1: I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get bogged down in stats, but another stat that we did see was that um, apparently now in games where we've had, I don't know why they've picked this stat, I suppose it just fits a, an argument nicely, but uh, where we've had more than 63% possession, there's been 12 games where that's been the case, and we've won one of them, <laughs> which... um just we've
2: won a couple where we've had 62% possession. <laughs> yes, I
1: think so, it's yeah. They've they've picked their
2: <laughs> own marker, haven't they, really?
1: Yeah, we have, we have to. I suppose we have to throw that in there. Though but, there was a point
2: though where they were saying that yeah we had better results in our games where we had more even possession or or even like less possession than another team and and yeah you can see where it where it comes out but I don't know it's, the frustration for me is that we we clearly have known that and obviously it's, it's a little bit kind of guided by the accounts and you see you hear the accounts you think well maybe it's not you know it's not terrible that they're not doing but you know we've known about this striker issue for ages we need striker to help support Welbeck and Mobi I still think once we sign UNDAV we need another striker as well. Otherwise we're gonna be relying on UNDAV basically and the likes of Mitoma and you know Kozlowski and Sarmiento and Kadra to basically cover our defence our attacking losses. The worry for me is that I was hoping we get by without a Basuma replacement in the summer, but will we have to, with with Moda out as well probably quite a lot of the season. And this is where I think I mentioned a couple of things group. I think it's a perfect chance for us to loan a player in, you know, cover yeah. them for a year and loan them in to cover for the fact that Moda is out for most of the season, or you know, two thirds of the season, whatever. And then they won't affect Moda's development. They won't affect our youth, our young players' development who maybe aren't quite ready to be regulars, but will be involved, especially with being able to use five studs. But the club just seems so, you know, kind of focused on not loaning players. Yeah,
1: know? I mean, Aaron Moore is the last one apparently,
2: and that wasn't. Yeah, for, very I think long, it was I always the, the plan to to mm. sign him permanently. So. We, Never loaned a young player except Izzy brown in the premier league he's the only like young player we've brought in and you look at the success that i think you were mentioning them earlier conor gallica at palace um but other players you know they, they've often had players over the years who've done well in that situation so and other teams have as well so why can't we do it i know it's not it's not a tactic that you want to do you don't want five loanees like fulham every season but you do you can use the loan market. it's useful and it's especially when you've got a player out like modder who's out for a while
1: yeah, and you know he's going to you already know he's out yeah. way before the transfer window opens. You already know yeah. you're going to need to fill that void for quite a while. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't
2: want to spend money on someone and men like <clears throat> his development, on other players' development. No, know?
1: that's that's Even the, the paradox budget for
2: strikers. Mm. Yeah, you know, we need we may, we may need to replace Trosside yet next season, as well as Vesuma.
1: Yeah, yeah, possibly so. Um. USG, there's obviously three players on loan there. They, they're they going to feature, I think, some of them at least. Um, they got a, a way win, I think, again at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, but anyway... Um, Guaranteed yeah, they'll finish
2: the, the, the main season top. Yeah. You know, yeah. Win the playoff thing. And they're quite well clear of third place. So they've got quite a decent chance of getting to the Champions League, at least, which is like the mm. top two.
1: As long as those players don't insist on playing the Champions League, and we have an awkward situation. We don't weigh where that. Yeah. What, what Kieran said actually earlier about um, Blackburn was interesting as well, that how highly rated they are up there, um, in particular Van Hecker. Um, and, you know, I mean, I've seen him only playing little bits and pieces. I've seen a couple of live games where he didn't have a huge amount to do, so I couldn't really get a proper feel for what he's like. But he um, he certainly looks the part, and if if he's... Quick with the speed of thought—that's one of the key different ingredients yeah. that Premier League over Championship needs. So, uh, while he's flourishing in the Championship, that suggests he could yeah. step up to the Prem, which yeah. would be great. I um, think what's
2: been said is Kadros less consistent, but that's always going to be the way for a player if, in Kadros yeah. compared to Van Heck. Van Heck, you're expected to be consistent, yeah. solid, and you know, and you're, whereas cadres, you whereas know, Kadros, you know, if you do things in Kadros, there's not everything's going to pay off because that's the point—you take risks to try and beat players, and then they don't. So. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I certainly think we can improve our attacking options through a combination of some of Kadra, Mitoma, Kozlovsky, who obviously can play attacking mid, um, and obviously Undav as well, and um, and Sarmiento, we've been talking about earlier, coming through uh, the ranks as well. So amongst those, the attacking side of things might already be set up better yeah. for next year, but we do, I think, probably need... As you said, the cover for the modest situation, and also maybe another striker in general. The, the one but- I'm
2: really hoping next season will will get more fit and hopefully have a better pre season, and then become a key part is Mwepu Because from bits we've seen of him, he looks brilliant. And I think you know that goal at Anfield was. I mean, yes, it, you could say it's a, you know it's a, it, a lot of the time wouldn't go in, but to even have the thought to do that and to to play that try that was was brilliant. And if he can get into the team consistently, because it feels like every time he's kind of got a run in the side, he's got injured. It'd be really good to see him have a run in the side the end, towards the end of the season and see how he could, He'll see how he does and hopefully then come back for pre season ready to go. And then make yeah make that place, especially if Basuma goes, make that position in that central midfield his own next season. And Casado as well. I mean, Casado and Koslowski, the same as um, Kirin was saying about Van Hecker. Um, yeah, Casado and Kozlowski Are both regarded in their in their, their their Continent as being one of the best Brightest young prospects in their whole continent
1: Yeah, and Tim Vickery I heard on a World Football phone-in Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Vickery on World Football phone-in I think at the turn of the year, just when we were about to sign um, Oh sorry, no It was when we... Um, I think we, yeah, we signed Samiento. It might have been earlier on. I can't remember now. Uh, but anyway, he was talking about what a prospect he was. One of the most exciting South Americans. And of course, they've qualified for the World Cup as well. So we'll see Caicedo and, um, and Samiento. In the first game in, of the World Cup. Uh, indeed. Yeah. Cause they've been drawn against the host Qatar in gr- Group A, Group 1, whatever it's called. Um, the World Cup draw, Let's talk about that a little bit more. Of course, the big headline is Italy have failed to qualify. So they've gone from failing to qualify for the World Cup to rather annoyingly beating us in the Euros final. So then failing to qualify in a World Cup again. Ridiculous, isn't it? And Very irritating. I have yeah, and ironically,
2: you know, I think everyone thought it was going to be a battle between them and Portugal. And they both cruised through their, their, semi, their semi-finals. Mm. In the end, they very much handed Ronaldo the chance to go to the World Cup again, which is the downside of it. Yeah. North Macedonia, the so team, of course. you qualify if only to knock <laughs> out Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
1: I was quite annoyed North Macedonia didn't knock them out as well. It would have been class. Yeah, I, know.
2: I thought two in, two, in a few no days.
1: No chance, yeah. It was always going to exactly. be tough. Yeah, well, the Italians, I think, as far as I know, there's lots of, obviously, doomongering in the press and all the other stuff over there. But at least they didn't all invade the pitch and rip, rip the stadium up, which is what happened in Nigeria. Um, I've been listening to a few bits about that. Nigeria, Ghana, big rivals. Um, the Nigerians apparently were full of bravado and arrogance, pumping themselves up for how well they were going to do and they were going to hammer Ghana and all this stuff. So, of course, when they lost, um, I think it was on penalties in there, wasn't it? Um load of fans invaded the pitch and um, just they just tore up the dugouts. They were f- flinging them around. <laughs> um, all sorts of chaos going on. Um, it's absolute mayhem. But apparently an, an incredible atmosphere, though, during the match. But Nigeria are out. Ghana are through. Salah is also out. Um, this is a repeat of what happened in the African yeah. final. Um, where Egypt... like He missed the penalty rather yeah. than not taking one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Senegal, uh, wasn't it? They were playing. Um, yeah, he missed the penalty. There's a lot of controversy because there were laser pens all over him. That's just like a, a rash. And, you know, whether or not that does put players off or not, I don't know. But it, um, it certainly wasn't very... Pleasant and they've appealed. But what, about that. what
2: was the same as the as AFCON was? Um, Mane scored the winning penalty again, didn't he? Kind of, mm, yeah,
1: indeed, yes. Yeah. So Mane, the star again. It's a shame, in a way, isn't it, that we're going to we're not going to see some of the greatest players there. You know, but people like Salah, um, Ibrahimovic, at least in his own head. It won't be a World Cup without him. He said before Leon they lost, best,
2: isn't going to be there.
1: Leon Best won't be there. <laughs> yes, that's right. What a gutter. Yes, and many more besides. But. Um, you know, it's uh, it's good to Ericsson, someone who will be yeah, the Danish and brilliant story. He's obviously come back to, to football with Brentford. He's been getting in amongst the goals and being a star for them. He scored at Stanford Bridge in an amazing win for Brentford at the weekend for okay. one. And he scored at the stadium where he technically died um, just a few months ago, um, having also, I think, scored, did he in the previous game? It yeah,
2: it's been there. a few yeah. minutes after coming on the previous one, I think, wasn't it? It's been an amazing story for for them and for Brentford. I mean, if you told Brentford fans a year ago, even though they were doing quite well in the championship, they go and win four one at Chelsea, <laughs> Christian Eriksen, who was at that point playing for Inter in their you know, their, their serie A win, was mm. scoring the goals, um, then I think they'd have been quite surprised. But I have to say Brentford on Watch your match today were everything that we're not. They attacked with pace with they they you know, really had a go and Mwe, and um Tony were where kind of, neither of them kind of uh, stop running, they they kind of pull the defense apart. And Chelsea's defense is no, you know, they're not, they're not, they're a decent defense, and they're everything that we're not at the moment. You know, they played like we played at Anfield this year, for example, and played really well and could easily have won. But for some reason, we're not playing on like that anymore. We don't, and we don't often as well. We on that game, we we really had a go and we attacked with pace. And when we do, we look a dangerous side. But, I mean, is a classic example of what you're, you when you said earlier about it, He doesn't look at, like the shadow of his former self. Is he being told not to run at defenders? So he doesn't seem like he wants to have a go at defenders and run at them. And when he when he does, a couple of times he does, he put decent crosses in on Saturday. But a lot of the time he's looking back now, which seems like they've almost told him to do that. Or is it he's lost confidence or what? I don't know. But And obviously then with Kukurea most of the time being just more defensive, we, we lack the width that we had earlier in the season. Hmm.
1: Yeah, interestingly, I mean, you say that, and we, we are still a point above Brentford, and we have played some good football earlier in the season. Um, what I, I would say is, I exchanged a few messages with um, Billy Grant, Billy the B, the Brentford fan who had on, who's all over the media, who's been on Five Live and everything last week or so. As you can imagine, with the with the Chelsea result, um, but he was buzzing about it. Pardon the pun, and um, he, sorry, uh, but he was talking about um, how they actually describe themselves in a similar way that we do lot of possession, a lot of attacking intent, not you know, powder puff in the final third for a lot of this season. So it's interesting our view of mm. Brentford is that like, they look quite attractive. Obviously that's one game on match
2: today, so uh, mm. yeah. Yeah. it but, is their um, first season up as well. We should be ahead of them, really. You know, it's mm. like, it's their first season up. They've not spent loads. They, we should be well ahead of that side. Ericsson's obviously made a huge difference because a couple of weeks ago it looked like he, he, he you know, he, they might go down and actually be pulled into it. They've had a really good run since then. The interesting yeah. Will be will Eriksson regard it as a loyalty thing to go to stay at Brentford, or will he reckon he can get a better team in England now he's proven his fitness and because he's only, I he only signed a six month, so
1: I mean I, the general consensus is he would want to stay in London. Um, I guess it's how much he's warmed to the club actually yeah. in this period of time because he may he may have formed a really genuine affection with them, uh, lasting beyond just you know the temporary nature of. Um, Deal as it's perceived at the moment.
2: Well, I mean, if he does stay in London, then probably he's, unless he wants to make himself extremely unpopular, his only options are are Tottenham, going back to Tottenham, or staying at Brentford. Because unless I thought he could go to West Ham, be slightly better, yeah, above Brentford. But (laughs) Chelsea or Arsenal were making him extremely unpopular with the, the Tottenham fans, yeah. But this is what
1: Billy B said in one of his messages. He said, we smashed them. It wasn't even lucky. You'll know this. Play matches, create chances, don't put them away, lose game. That's Brentford, he said. Um, but he said, this time we created big chances, converted all of them and even missed a few too. We're around to annoy more teams next season. Ha, 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 ha.
2: I'm really hoping it doesn't. I've got a few things that I'll have booked up to do next season. I'm really hoping that Brentford away doesn't fall on one of them. It's the one bloody game I want to do. Cause I've, you I've, just know
1: that's going to be your nemesis, that face yeah, is, in it? Canada, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. never yeah. going to
2: be able to go there or whatever. Just, <laughs> or I'll get COVID just before or something. You know, I might stay one <laughs> a week for it for the way to avoid it. But, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. good on them. I'm really glad they've stayed up. I'm really, it looks like they're the only ones who came up who are going to stay up because Norwich and Watford looking... Norwich especially looked down. I mean, they, Norwich and Watford in the four games we've seen them haven't looked like scoring against us really, have they? They've both, they've, they've looked, in those four games, they've all looked pretty dreadful. The depressing thing in Norwich's case is both times we've looked dreadful against them too, where yeah. we beat them pretty comprehensively twice.
1: Yeah, nil-nil in both those games for Norwich,
2: that's just not good enough, Nor- to Norwich be 63 goals in 30 games, and the two against us, yeah. we've, we've scored zero. So there's yeah. a lot in it, really. Yeah, it's
1: pretty depressing, isn't it? Um, one one just final line on the um, on the World Cup side of things. Um the England players, I mean, they've been quite commendable in, in terms of the way they've been in the media and what they've said and their role model elements. All that stuff's been great. And it looks like they're taking on the mantle again. There's a lot of um, kind of consensus towards um, England participating in trying to... Um, raise issues of awareness about Qatar and what's gone on there and what the status is over there. And I think Harry Kane was asked a lot about it, wasn't he, at one point? Um, but also, I think, um, Gareth Southgate as well. And apparently, I didn't catch the quote, but apparently um, Qatar's organisers have had a go at Southgate for having been critical, which I think is pretty damn audacious, to be honest. Um, they've, there is a, they, they had if, a go
2: generally. I didn't see the Southgate when I saw other, other people basically saying people don't understand and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I well, mean,
2: I mean, six and a half thousand
1: are yeah. Yeah, widely reported to have been the real figure, despite what Qatar say, that of people that have died. And they're, they're talking about people dying of natural causes in bed, in sleeping in between shifts and stuff like that. I think mm, that doesn't sound right to me, does it? No. I mean, we're not talking about sort of 75-year-olds having heart attacks here or but, something.
2: But let's be honest, though. This is all down to, to one group who are well, the most corrupt group in world sport, who which actually is saying quite a lot because there's an awful lot of corruption in world sport. but. I mean, let's be honest, how much money Qatar paid to, to to FIFA to win that World Cup, I don't know, but it must have been a lot, because it's, it was really impractical. I mean, it's ridiculous, they're basically breaking up all of the European leagues in the middle of the mm. season for six weeks, the top European leagues, pretty much. Yeah. Every yeah. every single one of them are breaking for five, four or five weeks in the middle of the season. Um, mm. They've already got a like, international breaks anyway, and stuff like that. It, it's a ludicrous decision, and... I mean, I, I didn't think Russia should have got it. At least Russia is, you know, a footballing country. From you know, at least at least they have a connection to football in the past. Qatar have no, you know, never qualified before. You know, they they've been they've got no reason to get it. Australia, who have qualified quite a few times for bidding, and should have got it, um, which would have taken the World Cup somewhere new anyway. Yeah. And yeah, and but that's the thing, isn't I've no faith it won't happen again. And it's like, and it's and it's going to disrupt the whole football season next season.
1: And the escalation in reported cases of atrocities and war crimes, essentially in this um, conflict that's going on, which apparently is only a special operation, according to Putin, it's a war in the real world. Um, You know, it's, it's escalating and it's making the sort of insulting and quite frankly, piss taking application for the euros by the Russian FA and their authorities, um just all the more sickening really. And that guy, <laughs> Uh, Sorokin I think his name is that runs the the Russian FA I think it is or the Russian sports minister whatever he is um is a disgrace I mean in previous matters he's shown himself to be so as well um and it's just gone on from there it's it's unsavoury I'm I'm going to be watching the world cup because it's the world cup and we are in it and I think it's a spectacle anyway from a footballing point of view but it's going to be so much soured for me by yeah. where it is and how it's come about and how well, the I'll stadium building
2: watch yeah, I will watch probably England and that sort of thing maybe the old game like Germany Spain in the group stages but I'd rather on Saturday afternoon or whatever or a Sunday or Friday go and watch the local non-league game or whatever which I've enjoyed a lot more watching Yeah we're going to carry
1: on some ground ticking aren't we um, during the World Cup yeah. maybe a little bit Yeah we can always watch the but games in the pub
2: afterwards can't on, we? On, a, on a side note there's a lot of people watching Sussex uh, we, in football in Sussex week, and there were like, over 3,000 at Littlehampton. Over 3,000 at Hastings, as they got one of the two points they needed to go up. And I well think it's such that they probably will have gone up already, but they need a point to make it mathematically correct. 1,500, I think, almost at Worthing. You know, there's some big crowds. Eastbourne got themselves up the fourth in their, in the in the National League South. Lewis sadly lost, but still are in the are in, in the playoffs, I think, in the, in the their league. So there's a huge, I mean, Sussex football is having a great time at the moment. I think Littlehampton might well be heading up into the base tier as well, or at least to have a chance of. So there's a real kind of like, yeah, a real, you know, kind of excitement around Sussex football at the moment. We might have, you know, Eastbourne and Worthy, maybe even Lewis in the, in the National League South next year, or Eastbourne could be in the National League full stop. We're then,
1: riding the crest of a wave here, Peter,
2: aren't we? <laughs> Hastings, Bognor, Horsham, or- yeah. obviously, and potentially Lewis in that division as well. So yeah, for Hastings and Littlehampton, to over 3,000 in their games is brilliant
1: yeah i mean that's of course that's the semi-final for the fa bars yeah so they won't, and, and the hastings
2: one was to get from to get promotion yeah. so but still to get crowds yeah. you know when albion are playing at home where maybe a lot of their people a lot of them are Albion fans, maybe that's where all the empty seats were from
1: yeah and i, I think Littlehampton's um capacity normally is 2280 or something like that i think i was reading no two th- yeah that's right and they actually got some temporary stands and approved and, and, and extended it to 3000 so it that was a sellout they could have got more
2: yeah. It is a warning to Barbara and co that actually maybe you need to be a little bit careful because, they, you know, do have other options. There are plenty of non-league clubs around in Sussex. And yeah. frankly, I've had a lot more fun generally watching Worthing this year in the three games I've seen them than I have watching Albion, especially at home. I mean, there's not been many fun. I've only seen Albion at home once. And that was the first home game of the season. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, and a lot of people haven't seen it since Leicester because the Brentford game was put in such a bad time that no one could get there. So it, yeah. it's, <laughs> it, it's all very well a club to say, oh, we're sold out, we're doing this. But if people don't turn up, people are eventually going to stop renewing. And I, I got close to, I did very carefully think about what I wanted to renew this year. And it was mm-hmm. the fact that I'd lose out on away games that kept me going because the Amex as a whole is not a great experience at the moment.
1: And it up to a fairly strong degree that's got to be representative I mean, I mean you're just one person it's hard to say but I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not a freak scenario in terms of your your, your thoughts on renewing or not you have yeah. renewed but there must be a lot of other people that have been thinking on the same lines and many of whom may not have renewed who don't, we don't really know what the figures are on that but you know it is it's a buzz really the non-league scene in general and Sussex football certainly is a part of that and it's great to see but yes it is a warning for for the likes of Paul Um We've got coming up to see God's Over London seems, mm-hmm. that'll be so yeah, that'll be good. Um, yeah, <laughs> this could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. In terms of um, Littlehampton, congratulations again to them, and also if yeah. Hastings are, are getting up, then that's great.
2: Worthing one again, as oh, well as Littlehampton one That was uh, impressive.
1: Yeah, I mean they they hammered them. It was um. Loughborough. They, they were supposedly the Uni, was Loughborough
2: students. Was supposedly favourites of the game, so
1: right, yeah, yeah. So so it's brilliant. Littlehampton had home advantage. It was a one-off semi, but they had home yeah. advantage. So fair play on that score. But nonetheless, great result. And yeah, cause um, I think the
2: three over three thousand fans, seventy-five were from Loughborough, so there was a <laughs> crowd advantage there.
1: Yes, yeah, just a little bit. Um Worthing did win again. They are just one result away now, and um, they could possibly go up without um, getting a result of the weekend. Now it's got to that stage. Bowers and Pizzi away for them, uh, followed by Carl Shorten at home. So one of those two games should confirm it. Um, we're going to the one after that. I'll be the Horsham game away, hopefully. And probably the last game of the season against Brightling Sea because um, Southampton very conveniently has been moved to the Sunday. I say conveniently. I know there'll be people listening for whom that isn't convenient at all. Um, but
2: uh, from our selfish point of view, it is. So uh, It's not yeah. generally convenient for me, but it's convenient to go to work as well. It's yes. not really convenient overall in terms of the weekend.
1: But yeah. Yeah. Just push the boat out for this Well, what'll essentially be a party day, that one, won't it? The um, the last time game. Hopefully, uh, yeah. Just brilliant. Yeah. Um and that's pretty much it. The only other thing, any other thoughts on the EFL? I know Mark Robinson's left at Wimbledon. I mean, there's something like twenty games without a win now. They're looking like they're going down. Fellow Londoners, your local team chartner looking safe now. Um yeah, they lost time to Lincoln at the weekend. Yeah. Um, um any any other thoughts from any other divisions? I mean Fulham and um, a couple of s- strokes away from going up. Yeah, I think Fulham are. and
2: Bournemouth looking very like go up, aren't they? And then but the yeah. race in the championship is very interesting. Like a, mm. a, I asked on the BBC website they were naming ten teams who could be in for it. I think West Brom losing yesterday probably pushed them out of it generally. But yeah.
1: Luton up there, Millwall up there, Forest. Yeah. Yeah. where they were earlier. I mean, Nathan season. Jones has
2: yeah. done a brilliant job at Luton, you've got to say. Yeah, and
1: Russell Martin I think is starting to turn Swansea around there I mean they're dead, dead in mid-table this season but they're, they're apparently the most um, possession um, based side they at the familiar? weekend yeah 4-0 away wasn't it at Cardiff at Cardiff as well that's so. hurt. and that yeah. is the first time in the 110 year history of that derby that a double has been completed by either team this
2: is really well wow, that's incredible yeah. Yeah. here's yeah, another... another Sheffield United oh, Forest have just it's, a, it's a, a lot of difference in terms, in terms of games some have got 40 and some like. Yeah. Got 37. So I
1: yeah, so worked out Fulham need 88 to guarantee, 89 to guarantee promotion. And that's because of Forrest having games in hand in yeah. about sixth or seventh place. Um, here's another stat. I can't claim this one to be my own, but um, uh, what's his name? Oh, go um, on. Um, Murray, Colin Murray on the Quest uh, highlights the weekend for EFL, came up with a brilliant stat, which is that if Luton happened to go up, they will be the first team in the history of English football, this is from any era, to have gone from the top flight into down into non-league and then back to the top flight. No other team has gone that far down Incredible. and back up again. So, I mean, they may not do it, but if they do, fantastic. And at some point they will, I suppose. The Given future. the resources
2: they've got, that's a phenomenal effort. So.
1: Yeah, indeed, completely. Uh, so, so that, yeah, that rounds it up, Peach. Any, any other football...
2: 14. No, um, yeah, we're just getting to the interesting end of the season, aren't we? The yeah, big six pointers yeah, that and that. Absolutely. We'll, we'll review that the EFL and the
1: we'll kind of run in a little bit more in more detail at some later point. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all, it's all shaping up nicely, I have to say. And Derby, um, just one word on them. I mean, they've got a win and no one else did around them. So they, they've just kept themselves in with the chance. Yeah, I, just don't well, think I was disappointed that Reading
2: got an equaliser at Barnsley. Cause I was, yeah. I wanted Barnsley. Everyone to Barnsley so I only really want them, one of them to stay up and Reading to go down.
1: Yeah, same here, actually. It's just one of those things. I don't know. I've still got a
2: dislike of Reading from when they kept nicking our best players, that we've been... Yeah, I thought you might say that. Sibwell and Copple as well, of course. Not that I hold grudges or anything like that. No, no, you've never been known (laughs) to, have (laughs) (laughs) you?
1: um so on that note that that rounds it up for this one so just as always if you can rate and review us please do so apple and all the various other platforms five stars writing stuff it all helps with our algorithms please help us if you can and that all all just um gives us a bit more profile and so on um as i mentioned on one of the other recent episodes we are now on patreon or patreon um so if you go to www.patreon.com forward slash brighton rock pod you are able if you want to to contribute a monthly figure of as little as a pound a month to just help us with our costs and all that sort of stuff as a show of appreciation if you're able to help fantastic but you really don't have to but we'd appreciate any contributions that you're able to offer and um, we also pass sports social network of course still that's still ongoing uh, we've been with them for way over a year all going well um, and, yeah, all we're hoping now is to look forward to a new season. I want to get this season out of the way now, Peter, to be honest. It's um, mm. it's going nowhere at the moment, is it? And as I said, I I, I think uh, we were talking about positions in the table, 14th, 15th and 16th, there was our predictions. I mean, I'd, I'd take any of those right now and just get it all done and dusted and get yeah, players I've, back for next I, season.
2: Weirdly, I feel a lot more confident about surviving after the results of the weekend and us getting, nicking an extra point, even though we didn't uh, against Norwich. So... Yeah. I feel like we'll we'll probably be
1: okay now, but I'm, yeah. I'm having a furious My debate with Andy Steve.
2: Bravery about number of points
1: needed, and uh, I've been insisting at is enough. Uh, he he wasn't yeah. so convinced, but i um, I think it probably will prove to be, and that would mean Brentford are safe now as well, actually. But yeah, um, they'll definitely
2: good. survive anyway. Um, yeah, I mean they're then, a good run, oh, yeah. unlike someone else I can mention. Yes, exactly. but, I mean I, I can't believe we're going to lose the next like is nine games,
1: whatever. No. So. it's football. There's going to be twists. It's no, not no. it's not a case of. We, we we didn't beat Norwich and we've lost to other teams around us, so we're not good enough to beat any of the big teams. That's not how it works. we'll, we'll pull off. Having said that, I,
2: I, I, I take a point for the next three games now, this minute, given what they are.
1: I don't know. I'm so frustrated with Palace being back above us and Southampton that, and Newcastle potentially getting ahead of us as well, although they got thrashed at the weekend. Um, uh, I really want to finish above those teams. I know that's going to be very hard now because of the fixtures we've got, probably, compared to them. Um, but you know, it is what it is. There we go. All right, and Peter, that's it for this one. So um, thanks again to Kieran McGuire for joining us earlier on. Um, yeah, thanks,
2: Kieran.
0: Yeah,
1: so thank you to him. The future's still looking bright. And Peter, stand or fall? Up the Albion.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network